0: two pages, and I'm like, sweet, I'm about to treat these people to maybe 25 minutes, and then it wasn't, and and it's going to go like it goes tonight, all right? So Judges chapter 1, we we were on Sunday morning in the book of Joshua, and after praying about it, thinking about it. Just trying to be sensitive to the, to the Holy Spirit about it. I, I believe that we just need to move on into the book of Judges. We're doing Luke on Sunday morning. And so we're going to begin in Judges on Sunday nights. So on Sunday night we'll be in the book of Judges. If you know anything about the book of Judges, not an encouraging book. Let me, let me read what some guys have said about Judges. What we find out about man and judges is depressing. On the human side, it is a story of disobedience and disaster. Over and over and over again, you find people that knew better, that benefited from the blessing of God, and that continued to benefit from his mercy and then go back into their rebellious ways. This is the statement that sums up the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. Yep, you know it. No, this is, this is good for me. Basically, it's this. It's, it's America. There's no absolute truth. Now, what you think is right is fine for you, and that's good, and what you think is right is right good for you, and no one can tell anyone that there's any absolute truth, and now it's gotten to this insane level to where we are. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring this into it all the time, but you need to be aware that we are being inundated with this, and your kids, if you're not careful, are being inundated with it through social media, through education, through relationships, through work. It's being forced down people's throats. No, men can be pregnant now. Now, well, how, how is that possible? Well, if I was born this way and choose to identify this way and then I'm with child, then I can say that I am. And that is all over the place. Even even with Apple, and this is old news, making emojis that demonstrate this kind of nonsense. You know what they're saying? There's no absolute truth. And so you can do what you want, you can do what you want, and it's all good. But here's the reality that produces suffering and chaos and loss. And and the freedom that people think they have in being able to do that which is right in their own eyes, it actually only produces bondage. It enslaves you to the consequences of those decisions, and those decisions do have consequences. And when you reject God, you are going to encounter the consequences of that life. The prodigal son, this isn't the main point of that of that account that Jesus gave, but the prodigal son, he thought freedom was in rejecting the authority of his father, demanding his inheritance, before his father died, which to do that at that time was basically saying to his father, you're dead to me, give me my money now, I'm going to go it, I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend it with, in riotous living, I'm going to spend it gratifying every itch and every scratch and living my life however I want to, and yet we find that the conclusion of that is that he's in a pig pen and he's about to feed himself with the things that the pigs are fed with say, why? Sin does not produce freedom. It produces bondage. Now look, I, I'm not going to re-preach this morning. You're not saved because you never do anything wrong after you get saved. You're saved by grace through faith. He made it possible. He keeps it. He keeps you. You do not contribute to your salvation at all. You simply receive it and benefit from it. But that salvation is supposed to produce a specific life. And when we live in opposition to the salvation that we have been given, it doesn't mean we're not saved. It just means we're not allowing that salvation to affect us the way that God wants it to affect us. The result is going to be bondage in your life, defeat in your life, loss in your life, sorrow in your life, difficult consequences in your life. So here's the title of this series. Cycles of defeat. Victory, defeat. Victory, defeat. Victory, defeat. Victory after victory, followed by rebellion, followed by defeat, followed by God, would you help us again? Now this is, the book of Judges is how many Christians live their lives. Like I... Man, my life's a mess. I better get back to church. And then you get things stabilized a little bit, and then you start to stray. Like, man, I really need to fix my attitude. Things get back together a little bit. Then you start to stray. It's how many Christians live their life, but it's not how the Christian life has to be lived. We are more than, you believe the Bible that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us? I'm not saying that you're, that you're not going to have adversity, but what I am saying is that the self-inflicted defeat and losses and wounds that come as a result of rejecting the truth of God and living our lives in a self-serving way, we can avoid that. So many of the, of the battles, so many of the wounds that we have are self-inflicted because we don't want to be submitted to the truth of God. So cycles of defeat. Here's message number one. Lead your faith. Lead your faith. Let's, if you would, just stay seated for the sake of time. Look at verse number one of Judges 1. Now after the death of Joshua. Let me read it again. Now after the death of Joshua. Okay, you know in Joshua there was now after the death of Moses. Now we are to the place where it is after the death of Joshua. That the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. In verse 4, Judah went up, and they fight this guy Adon, Adonai Bezek, and they cut off his thumbs, and they cut off his great toes. That's an interesting story that we get to. In verse number 9, afterward, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites, and so they go down there, and then we, we hear a rerun of the story of Caleb. And then in verse number 17, we read that Judah went with Simeon, his brother, so they had this agreement that Simeon will help us and we will help Simeon. Now, after the death of Joshua, no leader is a permanent fixture in the work of God. You no, know, look, I'm amazed at how big the work of God is. It's been it's been a joy for me to get to know Miss Cindy's family. I'm sorry for talking about you guys here. You're just here and so I'm talking about you. They, and, and they have a church that they go to, and they were sharing, uh, they've been sharing some of their stories about. Um, How God has worked in their lives and, and the people that God has used in their lives and those things I'm just telling you the work of God is so much bigger than any of us can comprehend And you have big things in some places and really small things in other places But the work of God is going on and he's using a lot of different people to accomplish that work And it's amazing to be a part of it But one of the things that we have to be reminded of is this no leader is a permanent fixture in the work of God You know, before tonight, you come in and you think, man, Brother Feevai is always going to be in that class doing what he does. And then you find out, man, shifts can take place. No, I'm not setting y'all up for anything. I I talk like this and people start getting panicky and nervous. Look, I'm in, my time is in the Lord's hands. My goal, what I've prayed for, what I desire, is that I could be here for a couple of decades, maybe more, if the Lord would allow and if you would allow but no matter, even if, even if I get to be the pastor here for 25 years, I'm not a permanent fixture in the life of this church. No human leader is a permanent fixture. It would be good for us all to remember that whatever role we get to have in the life of a church, we're not permanent in that role. You know, sometimes we walk around like we own something. No, we're stewards of it. God has given us the privilege of being able to be involved in it. And we get, to, we get to participate in it. We get to enjoy it. We get to pour ourselves into it. We get to take ownership of it as stewards for a while. But none of us, none of us in any capacity are permanent fixtures in the work of God. No matter how much that leader is loved... No matter how much that leader has benefited God's people, they are not permanent fixtures in the work of God. Moses led them out of Egypt and through the wilderness, and up to the border of the promised land, then back through the wilderness for 40 years. Then Joshua took them, took the reins of leadership, and led them across the Jordan River, led them to Jericho, to Ai, led them to humble themselves, get things right with the sin of Achan, and then go on to experience other lessons and victories and battles to the point that they made significant progress in in having the land that God had promised to their forefathers. Moses led them for a time And God used him Joshua led them for a time And God used him But then we get to chapter 1 Verse 1 of Judges And Joshua has not appointed A successor To this role of the primary leader Over the nation of Israel Now you ought to just, Just for your own benefit As you read and study the word of God It's good to ask why is this different now well, we could think, man, this, this is obviously a leadership failure on Joshua's part. No, you know that one of my great concerns as pastor is that this church not be pastor-centric, but that we be, that we be focused on Jesus Christ and that there be a plan in place at whatever time God chooses to remove me to move me off the scene, to move me to heaven, that there be a plan in place so that there is a right and a godly and a smooth transition from one leadership to another leadership. That's possible to have smooth transitions in the work of God. I know that churches have problems with it today, but it's because we're like the book of Judges most of the time. If we follow God's plan, we can have smooth transitions in the works of God. And I want that to happen. And so you look at this and you say, well, Joshua, he doesn't have a successor Obviously, it's a failure of his leadership. Can I remind you of a few things? God told Moses that he was supposed to lead Israel. Remember that? Out in the wilderness, I'm content just to hide, let me raise some sheep, live my life. Got my wife, got some kids, got my sheep, 80, good. Then God told Moses to replace himself with Joshua. Imagine that conversation. You're going to see the land. You're going to go up into this mountain. You're going to die because of your rebellion over here and you misrepresented Christ. And you're going to tell Joshua, he's going to lead my people. You're going to pray on him. You're going to authenticate my calling of him with the elders and before the nation of Israel. And I will be with him as I was with you. God commanded that. God told Joshua to replace Moses. Look, we're going somewhere with this. So this is what we can see. God clearly communicated to Moses, you're the guy. Then he clearly communicated to Moses, you're not the guy, Joshua's the guy. Then he clearly communicated to Joshua, you're the guy. And now Joshua dies, and he's obviously no longer the guy anymore. This is what we can conclude. That God apparently did not want an immediate successor. Even though there was no centralized leadership, the tribe still had leadership structure. The families of the tribe still had leadership structure. What do you call it? Husband and a wife? A mom and a dad? Families? Who God is had not changed. Access to God did not change. No, look in verse verse number one. The children of Israel asked the Lord saying, "Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them?" No, God didn't say, "You don't you haven't properly elected a leader to lead you uh, uh, to be the centralized representative for me. Therefore, I'm not going to hear you." No, apparently God gives access to his people. I know it's Sunday night. I know it's hot. I know you're tired. I know your nap wasn't long enough, but that's pretty awesome. No, God doesn't work in a caste system. It's not like I have more access to God than you have to God because of a title or a calling that God has placed on my life. From the youngest child of God to the oldest saint of God, regardless of a title or a role, you have access to God. God's purpose for his people did not change. Well, what was his purpose? We can sum it up this way. We'll use the words of Jesus. You have the Ten Commandments. That would be a part of it. You have the responsibility responsibility to inhabit and be fruitful in the land and to put it to good use you have the responsibility to continue to drive out the foreign the 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 godless influences that are there which we'll get to you you have plenty of this just start with the ten commandments love god and love your neighbor all the commandments are fulfilled in those two Love God the right way. Love people the right way. And you're not going to steal stuff. You're not going to have inappropriate relationships. You're not going to lie. If you love God and love people, that's the law that you need. And so continue to live that out. That had not changed. You know what else had not changed? Their ability to follow God. They had the ability to take initiative and to follow God. So here's the statement. Understanding that in the beginning of the book of Judges, After Joshua dies, this is what they see. They recognize God has a purpose. There are battles to be won. There is initiative to be taken. There is a way to live their life. You know what we call that? We call that living by faith. Leaders should be a help to your faith. But your faith should not be dependent upon leaders. So how did they own their faith? Look at verse number one. Number one, the children of Israel asked. After the death of Joshua, the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, who shall go up for us? Verse number one, here's what you need to get. Learn to walk with God for yourself. No, learn to have an interaction with God outside of what you get from the man that's your pastor. No, 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 I want, I'm not bashful about this. Hey, I'll try to get through these quickly, but please try to stay awake. Look, I, I am not bashful about this. I, if I'm going to take the time to study and preach, I want people to leave knowing they've heard something from God. I want to interact with God. But get this, if the only interaction you have with God is the interaction that comes through this pulpit or through any other pulpit or teacher or structure, then you are going to be extremely spiritually malnourished. You can have a walk with God. No, every man in here, he's like, well, I never went to Bible college or I wasn't raised in this church. No, God has made himself available to you. And if you're saved then you have the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead and you can walk with him and you can know him. I know sometimes we get too busy, we get too preoccupied. And basically we come here and we're like, pastor, I haven't really had time to give attention to the things of God. Give me a spiritual fix. But whatever fix you get on Sundays is not going to be enough in and of itself to meet the need that you have in your life. You're going to have to walk with God on your own. The children of Israel asked God. Right, right. Churches will be stronger when everybody's trying to seek God. You know, like, well, the, the, I mean, the, the leadership, you know, Brother Max and Brother Feevai, they're obviously spiritual because they're on the platform. it's like saying a pastor spiritual because he has the title pastor on his office that's not what makes us spiritual there has to be an effort to pursue God and you have access to him but you have to decide that I want to walk with him I don't want to settle for knowing God through someone else's knowledge of him does that make sense I don't want to settle for knowing God through my pastor. I want to know God through my pastor. I don't want to settle for knowing God. I want to know God on my own. I want him to talk to me on my own. I want to be stirred like I see other people being stirred. I want God to move me and to speak to me and to guide me the way that other people give testimony that he can. That's not a title. That's not a role. That's a willingness to long for God. Have a relationship with God. Learn to walk with him. Number two, take the initiative that you can. In verse four, Judah went up. In verse nine, Judah went down. In verse 17, Judah helped Simeon. And I can hear somebody say, well, that's Judah. But then you look at verse 22, and the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel. And notice what it says here, and the Lord was with them. This wasn't some kind of tribal preference God had a specific purpose for the tribe of Judah. That would be the tribe through which the Messiah would come. We understand that. But he still loved and had a purpose for and blessing upon all the other tribes. Your role can be different. That doesn't mean you don't have access to God and that you can't take initiative. So many times we live our lives looking around at the things we can't do or looking at the things that we wish other people would do or would stop doing instead of just taking the initiative that we can take. Dads, man, I want to help dads be the pastors of their own homes. I want to help moms learn to spiritually pour into their children with confidence. You may not be able to answer every single question, but you can answer some questions. You can sit your kids down and say, hey, this is really exciting about Jesus and this is really awesome of what God has done in my life and this is how he has worked in me and these are the things that he's shown me. Take the initiative that you can take. If you need to get some sin right, get it right. If you need to start serving in a way, take the initiative to do that. Number three, encourage each other to follow Christ. I love this point. Verse three and four, Judah said unto Simeon, what are the next two words? Verse 3, Judas said unto Simeon his what? Brother. Man, man. Brother Zach, you may have messed up his hunt in my whole hypothetical story. But y'all are brothers. No, you're brothers. You need to help each other's faith. No, we, we got brothers and sisters all over this place. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about everybody at this church is related. That's not what I'm talking about. We are bound together in Jesus Christ. <laughs> You need to be willing to help one another. You need to be willing to invest in and be invested in one another. You need to be willing to come alongside and say, hey, it kind of seems like you're struggling. You need to be mature enough and humble enough that if someone comes along and says, hey, are you having a hard time or I'm really concerned about the direction you're going or that your attitude is kind of concerning me, that you don't get offended about that, that you don't throw a fit and make yourself to be a victim about that, that you thank God that he's put you in a church family where if someone notices something, they'll be willing to call you out in the right way to help you follow Jesus Christ I understand this isn't super exciting truth you know what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples when they were fighting about who was going to be the greatest in heaven you need to humble yourselves and try to help each other follow me and stop striving for preeminence help each other This is a good question to ask. When, can, can you think of anybody in this room tonight outside of the person that you're married to or the kids that you go home with? Can you think of anybody recently that you've said, how's your walk with God going? Well, that's just weird. Why is that weird? No, I, I understand it's weird in a world that rejects Jesus Christ but I'm asking, in this family, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm parking right here for a second. Look, we are supposed to be a family. I'm not settling for it. I refuse to settle for this. Mate, yeah, this is where we go to church, and so we see each other, and then we're done. No, we are supposed to be a family. You realize that there are some people, this literally is their family, No, we need to be vested. We need to be in on this. And we need to be willing to say, you look like you could use some help. I could use some help. Let's help each other follow Christ. One person can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. And if everyone will be invested in someone, then everyone is going to have someone invested in them. I know that was a mouthful. We, we start worrying about, man, I, I just can't do all of this. Don't, don't try to do all of it. Just do the things that you can do and pour into. I had a great conversation yesterday. Someone communicated with me just, just to say, hey, I'm not, not, not sin, not anything like that. I'm just concerned that this brother or this sister is going through a lot, and I just, I just want to make sure that they're okay and see if we can do anything to help them. I love that kind of awareness for one another. Help one another. Number four, don't blame other people for your failures. Verse 27, we'll deal with this later. Verse 27, neither did Manasseh drive out. Verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out. Verse number 30, neither did Zebulun drive out. Verse 31, neither did Asher drive out. Verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out. You know, I'm 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 really glad. I'm really glad, Brother Feevai is transitioning into the Connect class because my kids just have all kinds of issues, and I blame him. (laughs) No, nobody's actually said that like that, but I have had people try to blame our youth team for their child's character. I'm just telling you. You come to me like that, I'm defending the youth team and blaming your parenting. Yep. Also this, if you ever have a concern about something the youth team's doing, you have access to go talk to them. Right. Like, like, go talk to them. Right. Go ask them Say, hey, I have a concern about this, right? That's the right way to handle it. Those, those are the way things that should be done. But we have this attitude in parenting today, like, man, I, I took my kids to church. They should... They should be doing better than this. It's obviously the church. And there is some legitimate church hopping that happens because parents continue to want to blame the condition of their family on the, on the church body that they're in. And then when they continue to have tension and all of these problems, they just keep bouncing around. The problem may not be the church. It might be in your home. Look, I, I want to equip parents. I want to teach young Listen, Listen, you, you know, church family, you see how intensely I communicate with our teenagers. I don't just preach to adults. I get in our kids' faces. I get in their grills. I want them to love God. I want them to follow God. But if you're going to maximize what God can do in your life, and if you're going to see all that God can accomplish, you've got to stop looking for people to blame. Like, this sounds like this morning, I can't help the overlap there. I didn't plan that. It's just in the text. You understand the Bible is filled with two kinds of people. People that humbled themselves before God and God did great things, and people that blamed everybody else and missed out on what God could do. Right. Look, can I, can I fail as a leader? No, that's not. Can I fail as a leader? Yes. I haven't failed in any way to disqualify myself. It's not like I deserve this. I'll just be honest. I'm not perfect. I have failed. Since I became the pastor of this church, I have failed. But you have access to God. Not perfect. I'm not even saying I'm guilty of everything that people might say I'm guilty of. Because if you try to follow the Lord and lead a church, people are going to say things about you. That's just part of it. But I'm never going to argue that I'm perfect. Here's what I am telling you. You have access to a great God who can work in your life. Man, man, I, I love this. Man, I, lo- I love this. I, I got to talk about you. I'm sorry. Man, G Young, such a blessing. Single mom. And many of you don't even know the horrors that she went through. That's not an exaggeration, is it? No. Don't know the battles that she had to fight, the struggles that she went through, the loneliness that she felt, the dark days that were in front of her. And then God brings her out of that darkness, and she finds herself to be a single mom, and she's got to work through cultural dynamics. And she's got to work through years of of difficulty and challenge and and then to come to this place to where she can understand. And I've had conversation. Ask her about this. I have said this to her multiple times. young, I am always gonna be do my best to be available to help you, but you can hear from God for yourself. Can I ask you something? Have you heard from God? Yourself? You mean you did I wasn't involved in it? <laughs> yeah. She said sometimes no. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, so here's what G. Young does. She takes ownership for her life. It's not, it's not a perfect scenario. It's rough. It's hard. No, it is rough and hard. But man, she walks with God and she teaches these two beautiful children joy being beautiful, Bud being, we're thankful for Bud. <laughs> Jason thinks he's beautiful, but <laughs> he thinks Jason is beautiful. We have it's amazing to watch a single mom who's gone through great adversity walk with God and lead her family. You could point to everything in your past and say because of them, because of them, because of them, or you could just say, I'm not going to blame. I'm going to live for God where I'm at. Amen. Own your faith. Lead your faith. God God wants to use a pastor in your life, but you need to have a walk with God outside of whatever God is using the pastor to do in your life. And our church is going to be stronger when we are all walking with Him and following Him, Amen. taking responsibility. Your faith should be helped by a leader, not dependent on a leader. Hey, young people. Eh, eh. If your parents didn't make you read your Bible, would you? Looking at them teen girls back here, if your daddy wasn't on you about saying the right things and doing the right things, would you still want to? No, I understand. We have to go through the growing process. It's all all good. But your faith needs to be helped by leaders in your life it eventually needs to grow to where it's not dependent on leaders. You know what you know what one of the most amazing moments for my wife is? You know, we got eight kids at well, we had eight kids at home. We have seven kids at home, homeschooling, all of that, all of that stuff. It's when they do right without being told. <laughs> Can you remember what that's like, babe? Has that happened enough for you to know? <laughs> Like you go, you come, you you come downstairs. You go into the room, and it's like they did it. <laughs> and I didn't even text them about it. <laughs> it's <a> modern world. <laughs> text kids from <laughs> I literally text called Ashlyn from the bedroom today. Hey, you up? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to come wake you up. Get up. <laughs> okay, that's terrible parenting. Sorry. <laughs> God wants you to own your faith. Own your faith. You're like, I've already made bad decisions. God's gracious. Start right now. We'll find this in the book of Judges. They messed up, but God forgave and brought someone else along. and knew I, Man, God is gracious. Start where you're at. Own your faith. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed. every eye closed. I, I just I want to ask one question. I don't want to go through every point. If I can maybe ask it this way, would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say, my faith is far too dependent on what other people are doing or not doing? There are areas where I need to own my faith. I need to learn to walk with God. I need to take initiative. I need to encourage others or be encouraged by others. I need to stop blaming. I need to start owning my faith. I wonder if there would be anyone that would, nobody looking around, but just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you would say, you'd raise your hand and say, I, I, need, I need to take ownership of my faith in certain areas. Just raise your hand before the Lord. Yep, I see them. God God bless you. Let's stand together. Brother Nate's going to sing. Can we just, can you take a moment to pray? Whether you kneel there in your seat, come to this altar. Can you take a moment to seek God, to call upon him? Say, God, help me to own my faith. Help me to.